it's the witching hour. Let's go. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to First Baptist Church. We are so excited that you are here today to listen to God's word, praise his name, and we would love if you would stand with us as we sing. <clears throat>
Christ, you have seen the light. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you, he is the way, the truth, and the life. He is also the light of the world, and so we're certainly honored and privileged to have each one of you in God's house this morning. Those who are watching by Facebook or YouTube, thank you so much for doing so. We invite you to come visit us, 445C Avenue, Coronado, California, where the Lord has given us an overcast, free, air-conditioned day. So... <laughs> Yeah, all you people griping about overcast, and then your utility bill comes, and you're like, what's going on with that? Just thank God for this onshore flow, I'll tell you what. <clears throat> Let's go to the Lord right now and thank him for the many blessings he gives to us. Our God in heaven, we want to thank you for being our God, for being our creator, the one also who recreates us through Christ. Lord, we're so thankful for the forgiveness of sins, the awful things that we've said and done the things that haunt us, the things that we don't want anyone to know about. You know all about them. And Father, you promised to forgive. You say, if anyone confesses their sins to you, you're faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And I thank you for that, God. I pray your blessings upon this service today and upon this congregation. We ask that everything be done to your honor and glory. Thank you for this tremendous praise team, their energy, their love for you, their, their love for singing the praises of God. Thank you for each person in attendance. And all of the people said, amen. amen. God bless you. Thank you. you may be seated. And uh, last week, now what we've been doing is first-time visitors, we, get a, we send a special treat. Last week, if you were here as a first-time visitor, you didn't get your special treat because Julie's on vacation and I don't know how to do anything. <laughs> so I'm waiting for her to get back so she can tell me how to do stuff. But I know this row of guys right here, they're going to bankrupt us today because our little special thing we do is first-time visitor, if you fill out this connection card, guys, right here, if you fill that out, it's in the seat backs, uh, and, and you can feel free to get one, we will send you a $10 Starbucks gift card just for coming to visit us. So there's like 100 bucks right there. So, uh, yeah. But uh, anybody who would fill this out, turn it in, give it to us in this service, or put it in the box on the stand to the left of the double doors. That's where our members put their tithes and their offerings. And uh, we appreciate so much you coming to visit with us. I want to mention also, uh, let me see, we have a, a military lunch today, all those active duty military 
uh, right after the lunch, be meeting on the patio. And then next Sunday, lunch or legalism. Lunch or legalism, the name of the title. And uh, come see in our chronological study of the life of Christ, what's next. Family film night is the 28th of July. So it's a, they've got a really cute film lined up. It's a family-type film. And if you're going to be able to make it so that we have enough food here, uh, please fill this out and then pass it down uh, and have it all filled out. When it gets to the very end, uh, if somebody could grab it back there and put them on Julie's desk, I would appreciate it. July 28th, 6 to 8 p.m., the film is Family Camp. Uh, Fitz, where are you, my friend? Come on, come on up here. And Fitz is going to use this red microphone to the sound booth and tell you, tell you all something that was very exciting about what happened last hey, week. Good morning, church. Uh, good morning. Last week, I, I stood up here. Um, I'm a little bit more awake now than I was then, although I did just fly in last night, um, asking for support for one of the churches that we um, support down uh, south of the border. I was hoping to, the goal was to try to raise $700 or so to take care of some uh, uh, unexpected expenses. Um, through your unbelievably generous giving, we raised over 2500 So I want, to just, I want to encourage you all with God's word here for just a second, and then give you a real quick update on, on the meeting we also talked about. So Paul, writing to the church in Corinth, his second letter, this was a little bit nicer letter, he's getting ready to take a collection to the folks in Jerusalem who need it. And he writes to the Corinthians saying, he has distributed freely, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. He's quoting Psalm there to the Corinthians and then he goes on to encourage them by saying this, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for the food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which though through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but it is also overflowing in many thanksgiving to God. And I want you all to be encouraged by those words. Interestingly enough, uh, in the next chapter, well, before I get there, I hope you're encouraged by that, but let me start now by thanking you again for that, and let me give you an update on the meeting, but I will begin further down in Corinthians, that he says in uh, chapter 10, verse 2, I beg of you that when I am present, I may not have to show boldness with such confidence as I count on showing against some who suspect of us walking according to the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war. And this is what I want us all to understand. We are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to Christ. That's what I hope that we'll, we'll do is, as we live here, our, our citizenry, citizenry here in, in Coronado. Last week, we had the meeting with the city council. I think it went very well. There's a little bit more work to be done. Those, there was very well attended, to say the least. The comments, public comments, each speaker speaks for three minutes. We had, I think, over 100, or an hour and 45 minutes of those comments. They were relatively uh, evenly distributed, I would think. Would you agree, Cindy? Cindy was there speaking as well. But I'll tell you this, be encouraged. It was a civil exchange. And for that, I'm, I'm proud of our community. There was, mm -hmm. there was not any screaming, yelling. There was some applause on both sides. Initially, the, Paris, the, the mayor said, hey, just stop that so we can get through it quick. Everyone did. It was well done. 
policies are being changed. We need to make the final change to make sure that they do not put sexualized material at story time for, for public reading. It seems rather, rather simple. I will tell you that everyone who opposed what we were doing were not opposing what we were saying. No one opposed that at all. Everyone who spoke there was opposing book banning. And as most of us pointed out, and I've certainly pointed out, you know, I've, I spent 24 years in the Navy, a lot of time getting shot at to defend your right to say and, and write and read whatever you'd like to do. But freedom isn't free, and it comes with responsibility. So uh, if you be responsible, say what you want, be accountable for what you say. It was well done. More work to do. Be praying. Please feel free to engage your, the, the, for those who live in Coronado, engage the city councils. Say you would like to basically, <laughs> we don't need that material. I'm not talking about banning the books. I may not like them. I'm not talking about banning them. Just get them out of the, the children's sections and away from the children. So that's the update. Thanks again, church, for your amazing generosity. Thank you so much. Thank you. And Cindy, anyone else who spoke from the church, I, you know, we're supposed to be salt and light, right? And light shines on that which is dark and evil, exposes it, and the salt is an irritant sometimes, but necessary, and it's something that is usable in healing process. Here's something that's an urgent need, a very urgent need of your church, and that is some workers in our children's departments. Uh, we are very low. We've had some people move, had some people transfer. So, and and it's, there's a little process that's involved. You've got to go through background checks. Um, and that's not a problem for anybody who doesn't have any problems in their background. Uh, so we, we want to make sure that kids are all very, very safe. So if you would consider being a worker and a helper um, in the kids' ministry, please fill that out in your um, uh, connection card or turn in a connection card and make sure that uh, we have that information. We'll contact you, tell you what's necessary. If you've already volunteered and haven't been contacted, let me know again. Uh, we don't want anyone to fall through the cracks. It's very important that we have. If we don't do this, then we're going to have to start maybe having the kids in here once or twice a month. And I don't mind that except for the fact that we need the seats right now. So, all right, we have a Live Love presentation on video. Good morning, church. I miss you guys already. Thank you so much for your continued prayers and support uh, for our family uh, during this transition, and especially over the last 11 years through all the things that God has done, great and mighty things. Um, today, I just want to share a little bit about what's going on, the, um, the things that he is moving us towards, and it has to do with the, the Navy navigators. Um, and the scripture that came to my mind was, he who is faithful in little will be faithful in much. Um, watching our navigator missionaries, Nate Smith and Ryan Bailey and their families live their life in the commission of the gospel to go and make disciples of all nations is the reason why Live Love Foundation of Salvation has partnered with them for seven years. We have seen and witnessed their obedience and faithfulness to live out what God commands. Only recently in May, 2023, the Lord guided our hands to a property on a mountain in Hamul for many to gather, to grow spiritually, rest in the Lord, and live unto Jesus without wavering, to be zealous of the things of God for kingdom purposes. The vision for Live Love Living Waters is to have a place to assign people their inheritance in Christ, to let them know whose they are 
and to see the way and walk in it. Ezekiel 47. And the Holy Spirit of God will flood the hearts of many who thirst for Jesus. Just lately, um, with this property, we are in infant stages, and we need your help greatly to um, start tilling the soil. Um, we have the opportunity to get some Connex boxes to establish places for people to stay and rest, um, gathering places for people to worship the Lord and grow in Him and study His Word. Up on the mountaintop, there is a glorious view of not only the mountains and the um, the snow caps on the mountains, but you can also see the the water and the ocean. And it's a beautiful sight. And we are excited to invite anybody and everybody who wants to come and see and uh, partake in what the Lord wants to do there in and through his people. Uh, John 7, 37 through 39, he says, On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, for as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So we're excited. Um, There's a lot to do physically, um, but we need your prayers and petitions, um, prayers of protection, and um, any kind of monetary means that you are able to give. We are so incredibly grateful. Um, We are thankful for how uh, we are able to use the funds that we have received currently and um, continuing to do that. We just wanted to give you an update, and this is the the one that the Lord has put on my heart to share with you guys today, and it's a doozy. We need volunteers. We need um, many things, so we come humbly, and we thank you in advance for all that you're going to do. We thank you, church. We love you, and thank you for your support. Bye-bye. All right, let's stand together as we continue to worship the Lord in song and in praise to him. There's a table for Live Love outside. Be sure to stop by and talk to Darlene later on today.
have is Christ, we are rich. We are rich. Much more richness than material richness, but a spiritual richness that lasts forever and ever. Father, bless us now. Bless every ear in this auditorium. May they hear the word of God. Bless as I speak. Father, cause me to say things that you once said. Lord, may you bear witness with your word. May you make a difference in people's lives today. And we'll give you all the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you. you. May be seated. Boys and girls, come on down here to the front. Boys and girls of First Baptist Church, want to spend a minute with you before you go to your classes, and we'll invite everyone else to take your Bibles and turn to John's Gospel, Chapter 5. How many have your Bibles? Let me see your Bibles. Let me see them. We got them on. Uh, okay, actually got some leather and pages and everything out there in addition to the electronic Bibles, so thank you so much for bringing that. And bringing those, and we got a good-looking bunch of kiddos up here. Let's give them a hand, all right? Give them a, let them know you appreciate them. How many of you boys and girls know that you have two fathers? How many know that? You got two fathers. You got one who's your daddy, and you got one who's your heavenly father. He wants to be your heavenly father anyhow. So how many know there is a heavenly father? Let me see your hands if you know there's a heavenly father. How many know that there's his son whose name is Jesus? How many know that? Okay, everybody just about. How many know besides the father and the son, there's the Holy Spirit? How many know that? All right. And, and so how many gods do we have? Three gods? No, one. One God. One God, that's right. Well, wait a minute. We got the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, but that's three, but there's only one. So how does that work? God is in three different forms. Now, we can't completely understand that because we have our gray matter is kind of like got holes in it, and it's not all real good. So we don't completely understand how three people can be one and one can be three. But let me give you an illustration. For example... See your preacher? See your preacher right here? I am the son of my parents. I have a mom and dad. I had a mom and dad. They're in heaven right now. But I'm the son to my parents. I am the husband to that lady right there, Miss Pat. Yeah. And I am the dad to three ornery kids and three wonderful grandkids. So, uh, so th there's three of me, but there's only one of me. And that's what a little bit of helps us understand a little bit about what the Trinity is, or the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So there's just one God, but God shows himself in one of those three different ways, one of those three different forms. And we're to love him, guess what? With all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our strength, with all of our might. So let's bow our heads, and right now, I'm going to tell him that we love him and thank him for being our God and our Heavenly Father. Father, we bow before you right now. I thank you for every young lady, every young man who's standing down here this morning. Lord, I pray that you would bless them, that you would have your perfect will accomplished in their young lives, and I pray you would protect them from the evil forces around them, even in our society and our culture that are seemed like hell-bent on destroying them. Father, we ask you to protect and bless them. We thank you that we have the opportunity of having a heavenly father by putting our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, his son, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, bless the teachers as they give an hour of their lives to teaching these young children, we pray in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen. amen. God bless you. Go ahead and go to your classes. Thank you so much for being here. 
today. We're so glad to have you here. Go back in time, a little over 2,000 years, to a place called Jerusalem. How many have been to the city of Jerusalem? Let me see your hands. Put them up real high. It's an awesome experience. I wish everyone would have the opportunity. But back in 31 AD, if you happened to be there at the right time, you would have been there when, in fact, uh, when Jesus was there, one of his five uh, trips to Jerusalem. And last week, we returned to the Gospel of John. Remember, we had been in the Synoptic Gospels. The Synoptic Gospels are what? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and they have a similar uh, account chronologically of the life of Christ for 33 years. Then you have John, who's kind of the odd man out. He is just as inspired as Matthew, Mark, and Luke, but he tells things from a whole different perspective and sometimes includes things like today's message that is not included in the Synoptic Gospels. So uh, last week, we preached from John's Gospel uh, another feast, another healing, another sermon. However, I didn't make it to the other sermon because I ran out of time. So today we're going to attempt to cover that. Last week we ended the, uh, with the Jewish leaders planning on killing Jesus because why? What, what did he do? He healed on the Sabbath. He healed somebody who had been sick and lame and paralyzed for 38 years, and all the Pharisees could do is say, yeah, but he did it on the Sabbath day, so he broke the commandments, and we, uh, he, we're, so we're going to kill him. And, and not only was it because he healed people on the Sabbath, but because he made himself equal with God. In John 5, 16, so the Jewish leaders began harassing Jesus for breaking the Sabbath rules. By the way, it wasn't God's rules it was man's rules that they were breaking. But Jesus replied, my father is always working and so am I. So the Jewish leaders tried all the harder to find a way to kill him, for he not only broke the Sabbath, he called God his father, listen to this, thereby making himself equal with God. By the way, talking about healing, last Sunday I got up here and I, I said, be praying for an 11-year-old boy who is the nephew of Karen uh, Contreras, who, who received a bone marrow transplant. We're thanking God for that. And I said, pray for the families of a 13-year-old. This is Jennifer Griffith's cousin. Uh, I, I don't know if I told you that at the time, but Jennifer Griffith goes here, her and her husband Jason go here, and their daughters. I said, pray for this 13-year-old young man because he's not expected to make it. He had... What, what all the things did he have, Pat? He had leukemia, then he got COVID, then he had pneumonia, then he had a fungus that went wild in his body because of the chemo, because of the treatments and everything, it, it couldn't stop. And they were, they were saying, we're going to, you're going to lose him. He's going to, he can't make it much longer. He's alive and well today. He's doing very well. God still heals. I don't believe so much in healers. I believe in God, and God does listen and answer prayer. So I just want to share that with you. So let's, first point here, God and his Father, John 5, 19 through 27. First of all, uh, God and his Son, the Father and his Son are one God. Jesus explained in verse 19, I tell you the truth, the Son can do nothing by himself. Now, uh, that literally means apart from or in rivalry with the Father. Anything that Jesus does is in concert with the Father. It doesn't mean Jesus doesn't have power to do things. It means he does not do them without being uh, in concert with the Father. 
and, and he does only what he sees the Father doing. Whatever the Father does, the Son also does. Verse 20, for the Father loves the Son and shows him everything he's doing. Now, there's a supernatural oneness and transparency within the Godhead. There are no secrets in the Godhead. Uh, one member of the Godhead uh, does not hide it from another member of the Godhead. Their interests and their natures are one. They're unified. So with the Father, and this is something I learned this week, and I really like this. With the Father, check it out in Scriptures, doing is willing. When God the Father does something, he wills it. But with the Son, he acts in time. So Jesus did things that you could see that became the miracles and the fingerprints of, the, of Almighty God in, in and through the Son of God, um, but, but he's the one who acts in time. Jesus was the one responsible in Genesis for the creation of the heavens and the earth. He's the one who did. The Father willed it. The Son did it. You say, well, wait a minute. He wasn't born yet. But listen, he's always been. Jesus took a body in Bethlehem 2,000 or so years ago, but Jesus was before that, before there was a world, before there were universes, before there were animals, before there were vegetation, before any of that, God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit existed and, 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 and the Father willed and the Son acted. So there are three things that are clear from this already. There's the personal distinctions in the Godhead. The Father is is the Father, the Son is the Son. Secondly, there's a unity of action among the persons of the Godhead that results from the unity of nature or their unity of essence. And then three, third thing is their oneness of interest is, is no unconscious or involuntary thing, but a thing of glorious consciousness. Uh, they will and they love, uh, of which the persons themselves are the proper objects. So uh, so the Father and the Son work together in perfect unison and concert, doing everything that they do. In fact, going back to the Scriptures uh, in verse 20, the last part, in fact, the Father will show him how to do even greater works than the healing of this man. Then you will truly be astonished. So he moves into then the idea of life and judgment. Life in verse 21, for just as the Father gives life to those he raises from the dead, so the Son gives life to anyone he wants. And it means here to the Son of his own will gives life to anyone he wants. So there's one act here, that of making alive, raising and making alive. In the King James, it says quickening or quickened, which means to be made alive, uh, vivifies, in other words. Jesus has the power of the Father to do that. And again, the Father wills it, and Jesus does it. He gives life. To know Christ is to know life eternal. So here is a significant difference between the miracles of Jesus and the miracles of any of the prophets, for example. The prophets had to do their miracles through the power of the Holy Spirit or of God who gave them that ability. Jesus was able to do all of his miracles, whether it's walking on water, or turning water into new wine, or healing the paralyzed man at the pool of Bethesda, he did all of his miracles through his own power. Others are empowered by him. Their power is borrowed. Jesus' power is his. So he's instrumental in giving life. So if you've been born again, Jesus was instrumental in giving you eternal life. He made it possible by dying on the cross for your sins, paying the price that we all owe for being a sinner, and then also making us alive by causing us to be born again by grace through faith. Now then, 
That's not all, though. He works together with the Father in judgment. In verse 22, in addition, the Father judges no one. I thought that was interesting. In addition, the Father judges no one. He's given the Son absolute authority to judge. I don't know. I've read that. I've read that hundreds of times, literally hundreds of times. But it just kind of stuck in my mind. The Father judges through the person of His Son. His Son becomes a voluntary agent in this judgment. Verse 23, so that everyone will honor the Son just as He's entitled to it. We, we owe Him honor and respect just as they honor the Father. Anyone who does not honor the Son is certainly not honoring the Father who sent Him. Because why? Because they are one in essence. Because the Father wills and Jesus does. Verse 24, I tell you the truth, those who listen to my message... And believe in God who has sent me. Jesus speaking here, red letters. In other words, you believe that God has sent me. You have eternal life. That's interesting because he says, if you believe right now. And it's like if I were to say, if you believe right now, then you have everlasting life. You say, well, well someday I'm going to die and I'm going to have eternal life. No, you have eternal life right now. You say, well, preacher, I'm probably going to die. Yeah, probably, unless the Lord comes back again. They were singing about it. I'm all for it. You rock. Come on, Lord. Come today. Wait till I get through with the message, and then come back, Lord Jesus. Uh, uh, no, come back any time, any point in time. But, but he says, if you believe in me, then you already have present tense uh, possession, and it implies continued action. You already have eternal life. And they, that would be you, if that's you, will never be condemned for your sins, but they've already passed from death unto life. Now, I know it doesn't feel like it sometimes, right? It feels like we're still enrobed in this body of death. It feels like we're still dragged down by the physical. I understand that. Uh, but you're going to be passed from death into life. It implies a change of location, uh, a transition. And that's the kind of trans we all ought to be, is going from, uh, from being a sinner to being a saint, uh, from having a temporary life, a physical life, uh, moving it to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Verse 25, and I assure you that the time is coming, indeed is here now, when the dead, when those who are physically dead, will hear my voice and the voice of the Son of God, and those who listen will live eternally. The Father has life in himself, and he's granted the same life-giving power to his Son. So it's kind of a repeat of uh, the verses above that. And he's given him authority to judge anyone because he is the son of God. In other words, he has taken on flesh, the son of man, it says, which is a title that Jesus uses of himself so many times. So we see the oneness of God, the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. We see the life-giving ability they have. We see judgment is going to come, two resurrections. Actually, that's a misnomer. I'll explain why in just a minute. Well, I'll explain right now because there are a lot more than two uh, two resurrections. There are different times of, of resurrections, but there are two that we think about. John 5, 28, don't be surprised indeed. The time is coming when all the dead in their graves will hear the voice of, the, of God's Son. Every cemetery here, uh, one day the people who, who were placed in that cemetery, they already are in some place of eternal abode, but their bodies are going to be resurrected and they will stand in judgment one way or the other before God. We'll talk about those different judgments in just a moment. And they will rise again, and those who have done good will rise to experience eternal life. Those who have continued in evil will rise to experience judgment, or King James says damnation. How many have heard the song, The Great Judgment Day? The Great Judgment Day? Anybody? Chuck, you and me. Just the old coots. You. 
Just you and me. The great judgment day. There's coming a great judgment. I don't know the words to it. I can't quote them right now, but I, I have heard that song. But in fact, there's more than one judgment day. There are many judgments in the past. There was a judgment in the Garden of Eden pronounced upon Adam and Eve, and that is that they would be cursed in various ways and that they would be excluded from the Garden of Eden. There was the curse of the flood uh, where all living life except for Noah and his wife and his three sons and their wives, uh, all human life otherwise was destroyed. There was the curse, uh, there was the judgment on Mount Calvary where Jesus was nailed and, and poured out his blood paying the price for all of our sins. There's judge, there were judgments on Israel, many of them, the Assyrians and the captivity, the Babylonians and their captivity, the Romans and their captivity. And there are future judgments, which are very, uh, very specific judgments. There is the Bema Seat of Christ. And the Bema Seat of Christ is for all Christians. Uh, and Paul says it this way in 1 Corinthians 3, 9, for we are both God's workers and you are God's field. You are God's building because of God's grace to me. Paul says, I laid the foundation like an expert builder. Now others are building on it. But whoever's building on this foundation must be very careful. For no man can lay any foundation other than the one we've already laid in Christ Jesus. He is the foundation. If you build your Christian building upon your good works, it'll fall and fail. If you build your your, your foundation and, and your building on feeling, it will fail. When you build upon Jesus Christ, that is the only solid rock foundation that will last forever. Anyone who builds on that foundation, he's using an analogy here of carpentry. So you lay a foundation, you make sure the foundation is good or the building won't stand. So if it is a great foundation and there's no better than that of Christ, then you begin building by virtue of your life and your works, you begin building on that foundation. That doesn't save you. Your works don't save you. But you begin building upon the work that does save you, which is the foundation, which is Jesus Christ. So no one can lay a foundation other than the one we have in Christ Jesus. Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials. He says here gold, silver, and jewels. Those are good things to build with. Wood, hay, or straw. Not good things to build with. Why? Because in verse 13 it says, but on the judgment day fire we reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. The King James Version says, Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire will try every man's work of what sort it is. So uh, imagine you've got this foundation, and you're building on it, and the things that you do in the power of Christ and for the good and for, for God are represented by gold and silver and precious stones. And you know what? Fire doesn't hurt gold. Fire doesn't hurt silver. Fire doesn't hurt precious stones. But wood, hay, and straw are consumed by fire. So if you live your life in the flesh, if you become a Christian and you live your life not doing the right kinds of things that God wants you to do, you're going to be saved. But when the fire is put to the building materials, the wood, hay, and stubble are going to be burned up, and you're going to be left with the foundation, which is Christ, which is a whole lot, and a bunch of ashes on top of it. But the gold, silver, and precious stone will survive. And in fact, Paul says, if the work survives, the builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will receive great, will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. Have you ever seen some 
a Chicago fire or whatever it is, and, and something blows up, and there's a, a curtain of flames and fire, and, and, and one of the guys rushes through the, the flame. Those who, who have the right foundation of Christ but have not built with gold, silver, and precious stone, they're still going to be saved, but just barely. He used to say, my mom used to talk about the skin of her teeth. You're going to be saved by the skin of your teeth. I'm not sure teeth have skin, but anyhow, mama said it, so that's okay with me. So then in 2 Corinthians 5.10, it kind of elaborates, he said, we must all stand before Christ to be judged. Wait a minute, he's talking to Christians. What is this judgment? This is the beam of seat, which was, in Roman times, was a raised platform where the judges would sit and watch the games that were going on and declare who the winners were and who the losers were. They would judge the contestants of the game. So this is judgment seat of Christ. Everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he has done, whether it's good or bad. And we will receive whatever, whatsoever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. So this is where our works enter the picture. Good works equals rewards. Bad works, which doesn't mean sin in this case. It means foul, things that are not productive. Anybody here ever have uh, experience with fallow farmland? Huh? Yeah, it was a program back in, I think, the Depression days that was instituted uh, that, uh, that the government would pay farmers for not growing crops, and it would just, the field would, lay, would lie fallow. And so it didn't produce anything. So there are Christians that go around built upon the foundation of Christ who don't produce anything. They're fallow. That, that would be the bad works. They're, they're going to be consumed. They're going to be burned up. But those who have good works are going to receive Reward. So that's the beam of seat. Hint, you want to be in the beam of seat. You want to be at the judgment, beam of judgment. I promise you that. Secondly, there's the tribulation judgments, and I'm not going to go into great detail with this, but there's going to be judgment on man's religious system, Revelation chapter 17, because there's going to be this move toward one world church, one world government, one world economy. You know, I mean, it's, it's moving that way. And so uh, dropping all the distinctives and, and, and this religious system is going to be judged. Man's economic and political systems are going to be judged, Revelation 18. Um, man's military system is going to be judged in Revelation 19. Sorry, guys. Uh, verses 11 through 21. Know the Lord. You won't have to be through that. So that's just a just little, little info there. Then there's the judgment of the nations, the sheep and goat judgment on the Gentiles. Matthew 25, what's that all about? Read it sometime. It talks about the nations that became friends to the, to the Israelites and to the Jews uh, during the various times of persecution uh, are going to be blessed because they did so on the basis of their faith in God and their faith in the Jewish people. And the ones who, uh, who persecuted them and sought their death uh, will be the goats and they'll be placed on the other side. Then there's the judgment on the Antichrist and the false prophet Revelation 19.20, and the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet who did mighty miracles on behalf of the beast, miracles that received all who had accepted the mark of the beast who worshipped his statue. Both the beast and the false prophet were thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. And I'm going to tell you, I don't know what the mark of the beast is. People said it's, you know, Adolf Hitler, it's Richard Nixon, it's John Kennedy, it's, I mean, you know, it's Jim Bays. It's, I mean, they say all these, I don't know what the mark of the beast is. I have no idea. It's some kind of a designation, and, and it's going to be required to buy and sell. And I'm going to tell you something. In COVID, it got pretty scary, I thought. 
it got real scary. And they're still trying to do away with currency, if you still carry currency at all. They're trying to do away with that so that they say, so nobody will rob you. It'll be all digital. And, and every once in a while, I see something where they implant something in the hand or, or whatever. And, you know, the Bible talks about the mark of the beast, the forehead and, and the, the hand. Uh, stay away from that kind of stuff. <laughs> don't, don't do that. Uh, so, uh, but, but those who have the mark of the beast, that'll be that judgment. And then there's judgment of Satan in Revelation chapter 20. And finally, Satan is going to be wrestled down, and despite his great power, he's going to be kept in chains for a thousand years. Uh, the devil who deceived them will be thrown into the fiery lake of burning sulfur, joining the beast and the false prophet. That's where they've already been for a while. And they'll be tormented day and night forever and ever. And then there's the judgment on the fallen angels. You remember that uh, originally... The angels were created, and it's estimated by some that a third of the angels fell and followed Satan, went after him. Uh, that judgment's going to reserve for them, but I want to just dwell a little bit more on the last judgment here, which is the great white throne judgment for the lost, great and small. In Revelation 20, verse 11, uh, John the revelator, the revelator said, I saw a great white throne and the one sitting on it. The earth and the sky fled from his presence, and they found no place to hide. He says, I saw the dead, both small and great, standing before God's throne, and the books were opened, including the book of life, and the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up their dead, and death and hell, and the grave gave up their dead, and all were judged according to their deeds, and then death and, the, and hell were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. And anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. You say, preacher, are you one of those uh, hellfire damnation preachers? Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Um, because the Bible is a book of hellfire and damnation, as well as everlasting life, eternal life, and eternal blessings. Uh, there's a choice to be made. There's one of two places you can wind up for all of eternity. One of them is in their very presence and, and, and the abode of God himself. And the other is in the lake of fire, which death and hell will be emptied into one day. I don't believe that we've air-conditioned hell, folks. I do not believe that. I don't believe that we've become enlightened and understand now that John's revelation didn't really mean what it says. I believe it means exactly what it says. So there are two distinct resurrections. You said, well, I just don't believe a God who loves anybody could send them to hell. God doesn't send them there. You send yourself there by rejecting the only cure and the only way of salvation, which is by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. That's how it happens. You're, you're headed to hell, and, and the only thing that's standing in your way of winding up there is the cross of my Savior who bled on that cross and bled on the ground around it and died and was put in a borrowed tomb and rose again after three days and three nights. So, so you've, got, you've got two choices, eternal life or eternal separation from God also called eternal death. Which one is yours? <clears throat> we were coming home from Alpine. Uh, every once in a while we go to Alpine because they have a place called Janet's Mountain Cafe. And every once in a while the Holy Spirit just leads me to Alpine. <laughs> it is almost a religious experience to go to Janet's Mountain Cafe. It's amazing. And uh, so we go there once in a while. The downside is there are, I don't know how many uh, plant stores, but there are lots of them, and we hit all of them on the way back home. 
uh, every one of them, sometimes some of them twice. Uh, but we went there, and we were coming home, and we came home uh, on the 125 <clears throat> to avoid traffic coming home. <clears throat> when I came, uh, made the transition uh, off of 54 onto the 125, we, we can't, passed two or three people standing on an overpass, and I didn't know what they were doing. I didn't have any idea what they were doing. And, and I went a little bit further, and the couple of cars, I assumed their cars were there, pulled alongside the road. And then I went just a little bit further, and there was a motorcycle that was, had been wrecked and was over in the, in the grass and, and weeds and so on. And there was a girl walking back. I was to- totally confused by this whole scenario, by the whole picture. When we got home, Pat figured out and saw on, I think, Facebook or news item, one or the other, that a young man had been passing on the shoulder on the left side, hit the wall, went over a 110-foot drop to the road below, and his bike evidently kept going on that road, on that wall, rather, until it uh, crashed down a little bit of ways. And the thought always occurs to me, always occurs to me when something like that happens, where is that person right now? Where is that person right now? I've got a shirt I wear. It points out that 22 vets a day, or I guess 22 or 24 veterans a day commit suicide. Tragedy, incredible tragedy. Anytime I hear about that, I think, where is that person today? Right now, anytime a <clears throat> a music <clears throat> star, or Hollywood star, or whatever, dies through accident, through violence, through their own hands, I always think, "Where's that person right now?" Don't ever do a funeral service, memorial service, without thinking, "Where's that person right?" Folks, that guy—I don't know who he was. I don't know how old he is. I assume he's a young guy, but I don't know. But I will tell you this. He had other plans that day than what happened to him. He was going somewhere else. He had other plans maybe for later on that night. Maybe this weekend he was going to do something. And now he's in eternity. He's in one of two places. He's either with God or he's eternally separated from him. You have the opportunity right now, if you've never received Christ, to trust him, to lean upon him. I'm not even going to close with the last point other than to say that there's a fourfold witness to Jesus Christ. If you're really interested and you really wonder, is this this all true? Is Jesus dying? Is that really the way to everlasting? Is there such a thing as eternal life? There's John the Baptist that testified of him. It's in your notes. There's his works that testify him. Of him, there's the Father that testifies of Christ, and there's the Scriptures that testify of Christ. But the thing I want to end with is this: If on the way home, God forbid, if on the way home we don't make it home, where will you be? This week, also, do you know the name Lance Paulson? Christy, no. Lance Paulson attended my school. Back in the 70s, I say my school, our church school, he got 
involved with some things he shouldn't have been involved with. I think he's probably 56, 7, or 8. We got word that he died. They don't know what happened. His car's pulled over the side of the road. He lives in Australia, lived in Australia. <clears throat> pulled over, and he's gone. My immediate thought. I know he made a profession of faith. I hope he has that foundation. Because you got to have the foundation to get to heaven. You got to have that. It's not negotiable. You're not going to be able to plead your case before God. You either know Christ or you don't. He's either your advocate or he's not. He's either your savior or you don't have one. Where will you be if you don't make it home this afternoon? Would you bow your heads? If you say, preacher, I believe with all my heart I would be in heaven if I don't make it home this afternoon, not because I'm good, but because Jesus is my Savior. If, you, if that's your testimony with every head bowed, would you lift your hand up and hold it up for just a moment? Hold it up high. God bless you guys and gals. God bless you. Too. Thank you. You can put your hands down. How many would say, preacher, I'm going to be honest. I'm not going to lie in God's house. I'll be honest with you. I don't know that I'd be in heaven. I hope so. I'd like to, I'd like to know, but I don't, I don't know for sure. Would you let me pray for you? Just every head bowed. Lift your hand up high. God bless you. Hold it up high. God bless you. Are there others besides these? Others besides these? Christians, pray for those who just raised their hand. Father in heaven, you love these folks very much. Your son came to this earth to die for them on the cross, just like he came to die for all of us, for the sins of the world. And I pray that these who just raised their hands, right where they're seated, would pray the simple, sincere prayer of faith. You who raised your hands, would you, would you pray? If, if you're wanting to receive Christ as your Savior, would you pray to him right now? Say this. Say, dear God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know I don't deserve to go to heaven. I believe that Jesus is your son, Father. I believe he was nailed to the cross and he died and was buried and rose again. And right now, I call upon you. Be my Savior. Be my God. Forgive me of my sins. And even though I don't deserve it, give me everlasting life. I pray in Jesus' name. If you just prayed that prayer with every head still bowed, would you raise your hand up again? Hold it up real high. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Thank you so much. Look up this way. If you have at some point prayed that prayer and meant it with all your heart and soul, the Bible says, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know, K-N-O-W, that you may know that you have present tense possession, everlasting life. If you haven't done so, it's not too late. I'm going to be right down here. My wife's down here. Ladies, if you want to come pray with my wife, if you want to receive Christ, if you want to rededicate your life, if you'd like to be a bab baptized or be uh, become a member, whatever it is, guys, I'll be down here. Ladies, my wife's right here. Let's stand together as we sing this invitation.
You come and do what God is leading you to do right now. Don't put it off. Take care of it today. God's leading you. Come on. Someone may wonder, why do you give an invitation when so few people come forward? Because if one person comes, it's worth it all. If one person, and if you don't come, it doesn't matter. We get to sing a really cool song. You get to see their smiling faces up here again. So this verse is for you. You say, well, preacher, I, I would come, but I, there's people between me and the aisle. You know what I'll bet? I'll bet they'd move. If, if you'd say, would you excuse me? I'll bet they'd let you back. So we're going to sing one more verse for you. And if, if no one comes, then that will close the invitation. Your turn right now. Come on. microphone, okay? I'm going to ask David to close this word of prayer. David's real involved with uh, Young Life here on the island. I love this guy. Uh, goes way back. He knew me when I was young. <laughs> I knew him when he wasn't. So he's going to dismiss us in a word of prayer. Grab that mic right there. And uh, listen, for those who prayed that prayer or wish you had on this table right sound booth. There are some blue plastic bags with some reading material. There's a next step book in there. Please grab one of those and take it home with you. That's That book is also available in Spanish on the rack next to Julie's office. So uh, go ahead and use those for God's glory. David, dismiss us in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this beautiful overcast day in San Diego. And just thank you for the wonderful sermon that we heard and the lessons that we were taught today. And we just pray, God, that uh, we be thankful today and that we live a life that reflects you and everything that we do. Lord, I want to lift up the Bass students that have come here to visit us for this last month. Uh, they'll be leaving this Friday. We pray for safe travels. We pray, God, that the message of Jesus Christ has touched their heart and that they will be able to reflect upon what has been taught and what's been uh, shown to them. And we ask, God, that they too will come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And lastly, God, I want to pray for this community and this nation because so much is going on with the wickedness and the perversion and trying to be thrust upon our children. The battle is real. And thank you for men like Fitz and women who have went 
and representing themselves in the truth at the council. And God's and there was in this dark time, may we be a joyous and be a light in this wicked and dark world as you've instructed us. And in your precious name, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Go with God today. Thank you for being in this house.